Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You have a life preserver. What? Your french fries drown in you. Don't hurt. Pain don't hurt. So those two cuts you just heard, we're going to talk a little bit about today. I was thinking, who was I talking to today? Maybe it was Jerry. Jerry Callahan. Check out the Callahan, Jerry Callahan podcast. Just mentioning like these uh, zillennials, whatever they are, 21 years old. In Portland, yelling at the cops, and you know, they look like um, they look like Ace of Base or like uh, the In Sync. You know, they're usually lily white kids and yelling at like black cops and doing whatever, burning down black owned businesses. But that's twenty twenty for you. For some reason, for some reason, celebrating you know a long oppressed race this year means destroying their neighborhoods and their businesses. But okay, well, it looks good in Facebook. So I got to thinking about how terrible uh, the millennials and the other generation is, and then it hit, I had an epiphany, and you'll you'll like this, and maybe you're like me if you're my age. I'm 47, which if you're 20 years old and you're saying, uh, oh "My God, you're 47. That is old as hell." Yes, it is old as hell, and you're going to be this old in one week because it freaking flies by. Life flies by. Get used to that. I don't have much advice for college graduates. Here's my ex- my entire graduation. What's it called when you when you walk with college commencement speech? Is this life flies by? Life isn't fair. Always say please and thank you. And actually, maybe I'd put always say please and thank you first. And if you can be, train yourself to smile and say please and thank you, that's the the equivalent of getting a college degree if you can say if you can smile and say please and thank you and also do what you say you're going to do and do it timely 
then there is no limit. The world is yours. Also, if you can smile on any occasion and make the room a little more happy, then that is powerful stuff. It does not take much. Doesn't take much. So there you go. There's my commencement speech. And that's good, too, because then the kids can go and get drunk. So, um, <clears throat> so thinking about the millennials, and, well, I don't get it. I don't get how you're 21 years old and you think somehow, or, or you've had somebody convince you because they paid 50 grand a year for college that certain words are violence and they hurt you. To me, that is no, not only toxic and no fun at all. I mean, who wants to live like that? Yeah, Yale University taught me that if you say a certain number of things in a certain order, that I feel threatened and victimized and I need a pet because of it. And I have to curl up in my room and hopefully social media is not mean to me. That's crazy. That's, I don't even I don't get that. This, that's not even living. I mean, there's another thing. It's like, where the hell is the wanderlust? I was slung shot out of my parents' house at 18 years old. I could not wait to get out. Two things I wanted. At 16 and a half, I got my license at 16 and a half exactly on the day in the summer. And I was a free man. I was so thrilled to be driving. And then when I turned 18 and I graduated high school, I was out of here. And, you know, a few months later, was spent a little time in California and then traveled here and there. And then... Uh, and then went back to Boston, Massachusetts, and uh, my biography is not a classic, uh, thrilling hit, but, but I just don't get I don't get this lack of wanderlust. I don't get why wouldn't you want to be the hell out and starting your own life and finding finding out who you are and getting real friends who aren't your friends just because you were uh, you know incarcerated with them in high school and they were the only bearable ones there the only ones who would take you. Friends that you make out in the world, the world's the big show. It's the real thing. Friends that you make out in the world are are your real friends. So that's a long way of saying that I don't get I don't get twenty year olds. I don't understand. I found them. Went to a bar a couple of years a couple of years ago with some old people my age. We were like forty five, and this bar was everybody there was like twenty three. And one thing I did notice, well, two things. One, something I'd never been able to really take, but I had to when I was 22 because that's that's where the girls were, you know, is um, to be scrunched into rooms. Now there's no way. There is no way. I could never do it. But another thing I noticed about this bar is that all of these you know, 23-year-olds were really nice. They're re Maybe they thought we were all undercover cops, but they were really well-behaved. And so that's a good thing, and it's good to be well-behaved. Their, their self-esteems are very are very strong. Unfortunately, none of them have shields, so feelings get hurt badly. But I had to look back and say, all right, so let me think about when I was uh, their age, when I was a teenager in the 80s, and what was acceptable then? How cool were we then? How tough and strong were we then? How sophisticated were we then? How learned? And... I've got to say, I hate to tell you, but we sucked. I cannot believe it. So coming in here, I played this this cut here. You have a life preserver. What? Your french fries drowning there. Now, ignore the soundtrack. That is very 80s. That was happening. 
But that was written. Somebody wrote that into a script. What it is is it's Cobra with Sylvester Stallone and Bridget Nielsen. She's eating a very poorly, clunkily contrived um, scene where she is pouring ketchup, squeezing ketchup onto her French fries. He then goes over. He's with Stallone's with her after kicking the jukebox on which Stallone and Fonzie knew how to do, and then says, do you have a life preserver? Why? Because your French fries are drowning. That passed muster in the writer's room, in in front of uh, the finance guys, all the big studios. They saw that and said, yes, absolutely, keep that in. So that was funny in the 80s? I remember at the time that stuck out to me saying, I think that might be horrific that that was said as a piece of um, content as a joke. But so I wanted to get grab that cut today and then I saw the scene and the entire scene is is offensive. It's just ridiculous. I mean, Gen Xers, we we've got some explaining to do. Let me walk you through the scene. This will be in the show notes, but I'll just walk you through the scene. This is a scene in Cobra. Not a great movie, but Stallone was red hot at the time. So he and Bridget Nielsen are, they're escaping from, he's a cop, you know? They said, the you know, one on the trailer, it said, like, did you, did you use excessive force? And he said, I used everything I had. Something like that. He had a toothpick in his mouth. He was the very, very definition of a hard-o this character this was it was right within stone Stallone's acting range for that time but this is horrific this essentially if you watch the scene it's essentially an snl sketch about the 80s so the, here's the the scene is the establishing shot the camera's moving down it shows the crossroads cafe of course like the the flickering light uh, is not really working to this you know it's a beat up old dive but you know it's a place that he calls home I'm going to play you this right now and listen to the music too. Yeah. My brother would buy this soundtrack now. It's under the mountains, by the way, and there's a mist and he rolls up and it looks like a like 68 Mustang GT or something like that. Parks wherever the hell he wants. Now she's squirting the ketchup onto the french fries. He's looking at the jukebox. It doesn't seem to be working. He knows what to do. Kicks it, damn right. Now it's working. He's about to make a joke. He's holding a big porcelain double burger, and that's his joke. The entree is ready. You have the '80s obligatory. The uh, hero is saving the heroine's life, and they're absolutely going to be making love soon. Music playing in the background. <laughs> She's still squeezing the ketchup because this is a long setup. <laughs> so he's going down to sit. He's wearing a trench coat with like this ivory handled revolver sticking out of it in this restaurant. You know, he's Cobra. He does what he wants. He drinks his coffee. He's about to drink his coffee with his like murder gloves on. He never takes his gloves off. This is a hard guy. Is 
of French fries. Not that much ketchup on them, to be honest. Do you have a life preserver? What? Your French fries drown in there. She's laughing. He's a hard guy, but he's a funny guy. And I think we just got a window into his heart there. But just think, if that didn't make it to the cutting room floor, then what did? Now he's drinking his coffee with his murder gloves, his leather black gloves. Still looking at the French fries. Hold on. She says, what is this place? I'll go back. I won't, I'll try not to step on it. It's so wonderfully. Every line is horrific. It's a foundry town. It's where he comes from, working class. He notices somebody on the payphone, probably some kind of informant. Tell me something. Do you ever let go? Jesus. Really? So what do you do to relax? Look for trouble. Damn right he looks for trouble. That's how he relax. That's how Cobra rolls. Well, I mean, do you ever get involved? Anybody who's a millennial or younger, get involved is how the olds like me used to say hook up, I guess. With a woman. Yeah, a woman. A real woman. A real woman. Now and then, nothing regular. You can tell Stallone must have had a handwriting in this, so that's very rocky. Why? Well, let's just say that not many people could put up with the way I live. Yeah. He kills a lot of people for a uh, plainclothes police officer. Well, what if you found one? I'd say she'd have to be a little crazy. Isn't this interesting foreshadowing? Yeah, somebody's ratting him out of the payphone. Cobra knows what's up. Scene ends with him looking at her quizzically as she puts more ketchup on the french fries. So that is not a good scene. I would put it up against anything in Napoleon Dynamite, which was r- ridiculously dumb. And it's not... I do not claim that as my generation's uh, movie. But Cobra was a big hit. It was not a great movie. It was not thought of as a great movie then. But it was so Maybe it was laughing at itself. Could it have been laughing at itself? I don't know. I don't know. But between um, Stallone and then Schwarzenegger at the time, you had a contest of coolness. These guys, you know, these guys were at each other for absolute hard guy coolness. And I think it was ultimately probably broken by Bruce Willis in Die Hard, where he played a different kind of role. There was some tough guy in there, too. There's no doubt about that. Yippee-ki-yay. And uh, running on glass and that. I mean, that was brilliant. That's different. That was a masterpiece, that movie. But right when you thought that the domain uh, 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 belonged simply to Schwarzenegger and Stallone, in walked Dalton. Patrick Swayze. The great Patrick Swayze. Here's another movie I saw in, in person. This is too good to be true. So Patrick Swayze... He plays Dalton. He's a bouncer. He's a tough guy. You know. He's also got many layers, much like Cobra. There's, there's a lot to this guy. You don't even be, you just peel back, and the more you see, the more expansive his, uh, you know, his interior soul is, and all the universe that is his intelligence and thought process. And oh, there's some pain there too. There's no doubt about that. So Swayze's been stabbed or something at the bar where he where he works, which is not a good bar. It's a very violent bar. I was too young to go to bars in the 80s, 
but I would say that this would be um, shut down fairly quickly because there was a lot of very violent crime at this bar. It didn't seem like it was necessary either. It was a nice-looking place. They usually had a band up there, the guy who played with his foot or something. Um, and it, so it didn't seem like it was. It had to be that way. But, yes, this is a tough bar. Swayze's, uh, Swayze's the lead bouncer. Sam Elliott's the next... Is it Sam Elliott, right? The guy who always was the same age. He's the other guy. Sorry about that. My wife is texting me. Let's see. Let me just get this. I just want to see what this says here because it could be regarding our chickens. We've got chickens who are very loud. Oh, yeah. Okay. One of the chickens is very vocal. Uh, you know, it was only a matter of time. That's what happens. We'll talk about that, too. I love my neighbors. They're excellent people. But we got a squad of chickens, and including these guinea fowl, and they're very, very loud. All, they, all of them sounds like they're playing the, the trombone. Okay, back to Dalton. So play, say Swayze plays Dalton. He's been stabbed. In walks this incredibly way, way over-the-top gorgeous doctor who looks like a swimsuit model, this blonde woman, who's wearing glasses, who does not um, wear glasses. Uh, this is, you know, they try to nerd her up a little bit. It doesn't really take. She is, she is, um, she is over-the-top, I would say, kind of a spectacle of, uh, of beauty. And for the time, and what was it, 88 or whatever, you know. So anyway... So Swayze is sitting in there. He's got an open wound. He's sitting there in the ER, you know, reluctantly. He doesn't want to be there, you know, whatever. In walks the doctor, and here we go. Hi, I'm Dr. Clay. Hi. How'd this happen? Natural causes. Yeah, damn right. Damn right, natural causes. There is nothing more important if you are a hard guy to master... Uh, sarcasm, you know, especially in in situations that would otherwise be very stressful, and uh, and it would seem, you know, I don't know about your hospital experience, but generally I found them I find them to be terrible, and um, yeah, there's a lot of paperwork, but not for Dalton. Dalton knows what's going on here. Like I said, she said, looks like a knife wound. He said, like I said, hands her. A huge binder, thick binder, full of his medical records, all his other stabbings and gunshot wounds, etc. This is one tough man. You're a bouncer? Mm-hmm. Double Deuce. Double Deuce is a bar. Nice place. They send a lot of business my way. I'm hoping to change that. All by yourself? There was a stare, if you're wondering. Well, Mr. Dalton, you may add nine staples to your dossier of 31 broken bones, two bullet wounds, nine puncture wounds, and four stainless steel screws. That's Can you imagine? Can you imagine? What a badass. All of those wounds. So we're establishing that this guy is a hard guy, in case you didn't know, you know? Bullet wounds, the stab wounds. Can you imagine now having writing a script and putting this in front of somebody in Hollywood? Saying so, so you see what I'm thinking is this guy goes in and he's a badass and he's got all of these wounds and he says he's really stoic the whole time, but his sarcasm comes through. She notices. An estimate, of course. I'll give you a local. No, thank you. Now, 
I'll give you a local anesthetic. In other words, no thank you. Dalton, don't do anesthetic. Do you enjoy pain? Pain don't hurt. GD right, it don't. That's a 1980s for you. Pain don't hurt. Exactly. I knew a guy, and I'm not going to say who he was, who was so taken by this pain don't hurt mantra that he used to take a lighter and put it under his arm and burn his arm, but showed me that it was mind over matter. There were a lot of those guys in the 80s. There were a lot of guys, too, that would do the thing with a knife where they'd put their fingers spread out on the table and go, you can just miss their, their hands. That was a big thing. That was very important to have a skill. One of those two skills. Most of my patients would disagree with you. Or Most of your patients ain't dull. Okay. Here she goes stapling away. Do you always carry your medical records around with you? No, so so it, this is very important if you're not watching this. After she does it, that's the first staple that goes in, and he very mildly, just slightly winces. So maybe underneath it all, underneath that exterior, maybe somewhere deep in that man's soul, pain do hurt. And she's going to see that. She's going to get to that soft soul. Saves time. Yeah, it does. Files says you've got a degree from NYU. What in? Philosophy. Of course he does. Of course. How hard is that? Yeah, he can kick ass in that. He, he can beat the crap out of 25 guys and get stabbed and shot. You better believe he's curling up with a, with a book written by a smart person at the end of the night. This guy's got it all. He is a renaissance man and an ass kicker. He's better than you. His sweat and pain don't hurt. Okay, it hurts you. Doesn't hurt him. Any particular discipline? No, not really. Um, man's search for faith—that sort of shit. I'd be doubting the veracity of his claim right there. Oh, man's search for faith. Oh, you obviously dove deep into the uh, classics. Come up with any answers? Not too many. This is where the writing goes south. Now now he's getting soft. And this happened. We just listened to Cobra. It was the same thing. They go soft. You know, do you ever um, do you ever get together with it? What did she say? Do you ever do you ever get involved? Ever get involved? Is that what she said? This is that. You know, we got tough Dalton. Now this has gone all for the, for the ladies in the audience. A guy like you end up a bouncer. Just lucky, I guess. Ah, here we go. He's getting me back. I, so chances are, if you're a guy who's listening to this and you've ever been a single man, it takes a special guy to be the just lucky, I guess, guy. You have to have not only confidence, but you have to have impeccable timing. You have to have seen some stuff in your life and have such a wry, you know, beaten down by the all of the experiences and the fire that you've seen. That all you have is just this wry, wry wit. And behind it, the ladies will know that there's behind that behind that wit, there's an animal who's seen things, you know, who, yeah, he's tough, yeah, he's violent, but he needs healing. And that's what this doctor's for. Uh-oh, another scar. Nice work. Good clean stitches. Thank you. Did it himself. <laughs> Do you ever win a fight? Nobody ever wins a fight. 
There's a philosopher coming out in him. By the way, he got dead serious when he said that. This is not this stuff scrapping and throwing chairs. There's a higher level thing happening when when he's doing that. You know, yeah, you see that you see him, you know, smash somebody's head into a piano. No, 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 no. That's what you saw. There's a lot of meta information there that only really brilliant people, you know, uh, philosophy majors from NYU are are um, you know honing in on. Uh oh. Something's happening. Thanks. Listen, uh, if uh, you'd like to stop by the Double Deuce sometime, I could buy you a cup of coffee, you know, if you have. Happen to be in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You know, for that line of work, I thought you'd be bigger. Gee, I've never heard that before. Oh, there we go. So there you go. That was Dalton. So I guess I'm providing my defense for the Zillennials and the Millennials. What else do they do? I mean, you got to think some of the stuff that's happening right now that still great predates them. You know, South Park, Family Guy, The Simpsons. It's happening now, but that predates them. Is there a great comedy? I mean, I started to walk watch Parks and Rec and uh I got through the first season I am I'm, I'm done. I am not going to somebody said you have to wait to like season 2 and season 3. How much freaking time do you think I have? I rolled the dice knowing expecting that this thing would be a disappointment. And I know it and it just reinforced what I thought. You know, I I see that a lot of times if I look into a place it's usually a bistro and I say I'm going to be mad at myself for going into this place because I know what's going to happen. I know that I'm going to wait 18 minutes for something that's got, uh, you know, flaxseed bread and it's going to be minimal with a chunk of apple in it. I'm going to be angry and it's not going to be at all good. And essentially I'm paying for the experience in this bistro. And then it happens exactly like that. And I said, okay, there you go. I called it. I knew it. I'm not experimenting again for another 10 years. I mean, there are, uh, there are just so many times. I'm, I'm just done with I'm done with experimenting. I'm, done, I'm too old now. I'm 47. By the time you're 47, you've been screwed enough. It's time now for you to win a couple. You know? Like, I'm not, um, like, like big lines. Like, I'm never, I'm done. I'm done with big lines. Um, I, like, when I say win a couple, also not taking bleep anymore. Like, a couple of years ago, I, uh, this, maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but maybe I should a couple of years ago, we bought a car, and it, because because I've made all the right choices in life, it was a used Dodge Caravan. So, we bought the car, but it cost like twenty grand or whatever, and um, so we had to like test drive it. Then we had to come back. The guy like said they had to do something to get it a sticker or whatever. And he said, "Okay, come back at the three. So when I came back, and I'm there, and my family's there, and I have a couple little kids, uh, and. The guy's like, uh, okay, I'll be right with you. The guy who sold us the car, you know, went through the whole thing. And he kept me waiting like 10 minutes, and then 20 minutes, and then 30 minutes. And and then I had exploded. I'd lost it. And I was like, I made a scene, and I was like, I just spent $20,000, and you're making me wait. The You know, and for my troubles. And they didn't like the scene. And I'm not, by the way, I'm not a D. First of all, I don't do confrontation. So this is like four times in my life I've ever done something like this. But anyway, I got uh, 
I think I got a free oil change out of the whole deal. Um, which is they they were probably like, you know, okay, uh, listen, the fat guy in the lobby is exploding. Can we just throw him an oil change and he'll be stupid enough to be happy with it? Which I was. But, you know, I just had enough. I, I was sick of, uh, why do I have to be in the receiving end of all the... No, that's over. That 30-year-old Tom would have that. And maybe you're the same way, where you've had it. You know, I'm not going to be the chump every time. I'm not going to be the chump when... I mean, I don't... I'm not... I'm, I'm, I'm not... I'm not one of these guys who's bad to help. I'm a good tipper and all that stuff. And I would never mistreat anybody in the service industry. I spent a lot of years in the service in industry. But I just don't put myself in positions to get screwed as a default anymore. And just take it as if it's fine. Um, and I also exact uh, revenge. So, on a small level. You know, so... I remember I had a problem with some... This is a long time ago, and this is not... Uh, you know what? This wasn't even me. This was my friend. Uh, Rex was in a Starbucks, and the people in the Starbucks were, like, totally a jerk to him. And they were like, um, yeah, okay, uh, you wanted this, 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 can you just quit over there, please? And, the, and that Rex said, uh, yeah, sure. And he's like, okay, it's just going to be a moment. I mean, I have to make this with ISO. It's just going to take me... And he was, like, he was complaining to Rex. And he said one more thing that was rude, Reverend. And then Rex had it. And so Rex stole the cinnamon shaker or something. And um, and Rex sometimes, if he goes somewhere and he feels like... If he feels like uh, like the restaurant server uh, or the restaurant screwed him or uh, something like that, this guy, Rex, will take the pen. Especially if it's a cool pen. Out of revenge. It's the small things for Rex. He's an odd guy. Not... We're not talking... Uh, massive, you know, you know, what's that called when you steal? Little grain, I, I forgot what it's called. There you go, I don't have the word again. But, I don't think you should always have to, have to be the one to get screwed. I think it's good sometimes to not be the one to get screwed. And to also say, and, and at this age as well, that, you know, when the bar, if you're at a bar, like I would never be at a bar now, well, maybe I would be, but we're not doing this thing where I stand there and you don't come over here. You know, if I'm a good tipper. Get the hell over here. You know, let's go. Let's go here. I'm not here to screw around. I also, a lot of times now, oh, by the way, if anybody calls me chief or big guy or anything like that, then you're dead to me. And that may reflect in the, in the tip, actually. Don't call me chief. Just shut, shut up. Don't call me anything. You don't have to call me anything. But don't call me chief or big guy. Um, there was a time when I was in a, a bar in Boston, an, an English bar, and a guy kept calling me chief, so I started calling him Tiger. There was a lot of uh, just below the surface uh, tension and uh, hostility happening on both sides, I think. Let's see what else. Let's see what else. Um, I try not to be... So... Uh, in recent in media, and if you're in the media, a lot of times, especially when I was doing more radio, you know that there are certain people, usually politicians, who are going to try to step on you, try to uh, you know bull run you in interviews. They'll say, "Look, look, let's focus on you. Got to refocus it." And so I've learned to see it coming beforehand and rev myself up and prepare to spar head to head. So a couple of years ago, this guy was saying. No, you're, you're focusing on the wrong, you're focusing, you need to refocus, and he was telling me I need to, and I said, don't tell me what I need, you don't tell, no, no, you focus, and I'll focus, and you know, it's funny, you, you, when you go in, 
Or else, when you're new, you just get stepped on, especially with the politicians who've been doing it for a while. But if they think that you that you've got a flamethrower or that you're just completely unstable, then I find that you get your their attention a little bit more. Um, let's see what else is there. Uh, oh yeah, I haven't been seeing. Sorry, I'm, I'm not talking politics so far. Um, I, 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 Trump did the presser with the COVID stuff today. I'm just not interested. I'm not interested in seeing Jim Acosta's take on it. I'm not interested in seeing the presser. I don't mind them. I don't mind when when the president does them. I think uh, I I grew a little wary last time. Now there's some good news happening in the COVID front, so I think that's probably a good thing. Like I said, I liked his. I've gotten a lot of feedback. People angry at me for for uh, for criticizing President Trump with Chris Wallace. I thought it, it was a good performance by him. I did. And that puts me in the minority because a lot of people thought it was terrible. But I think when he's showing his skills and his wits, then then that's good. That's the guy that people wanted. They didn't want Mitt Romney, although Mitt Romney probably would have a depth of knowledge on the issue a little bit more. But Mitt Romney would also let him get let himself get stepped on by the interviewer, by the media members. It the, Trump doesn't do that. And Republicans were sick of seeing candidates who would just get stepped on and who rose above it. Mitt Romney rose above it when Candy Crowley pulled that crap on stage in a move that may have given the election to Obama. Maybe not, but it certainly could have given, it, it halted momentum that Romney could have had. Because remember the theme was that um, that Bin Laden is dead and, dead and GM is alive for that election year in 2012. And that really was really the reason for the decisions made the night in Benghazi to, uh, you know, to not dedicate a more uh, boisterous force to save those guys and then to come back and reframe it or distort the whole thing as a, a uh, attack uh, due to a spontaneous attack due to the, a video that came out. And they knew the administration knew that wasn't true, but for political reasons, they said that and they did that, and they, you know, continued to, you know, say it was a video attack. It was attack, spontaneous attack to the videos, even though we knew that it was a terrorist attack. We knew that it was an Al Qaeda related group. We had intel on it, but if if our embassy was destroyed, you can't say you know Bin Laden's dead and GM is alive because the terrorist Bin Laden's Bin Laden's, uh, you know. His uh, pals have stormed an embassy and killed an ambassador and security guys. And so that would have blown up his entire election theme. So, you know, he got back here and he they all blamed a video. He he at one point said in a speech, you know, the, the, an acts of terrorism can never be uh, tolerated. But he never called this an act of terrorism. Had he called this an act of terrorism, then it would have been seen as uh, you know admitting that uh, you you let your guard down in going against the election theme. So when he was in that debate, and Mitt Romney said, "Hey, you said it was a spontaneous attack, and and uh, and that wasn't true," and and Obama said, "No, no, I, I said it was a terrorist attack," and Candy Crowley said, "He he said it was a terrorist attack," but he didn't. And and Obama said, "Tell him again, Candy." And and Candy said, "Yes, it was a terrorist attack." And so, I mean, it was horrible to watch. And they lied. They worked together. CNN worked together with the Democrats. What's new? 
and and you know took away from Romney what was a slam dunk in that debate. And I don't know if he ever got back to it. And that was, you know, that was that was that. So with Trump now, I mean, for me, for a lot of people, you said, okay, I don't know what this guy knows. I don't know where his ideology is. But if somebody like Candy Crowley pulls out on this guy, he's going to explode on that stage and roar on that stage. And that's what he does. And that's what he did. In a large way, that's one of the reasons why people, you know, people voted for him. He was so unpolitician. He wasn't milk toast like previous politicians. He, he wasn't a contrived robot where you just escape to uh, carefully crafted phrases and talking points and you know million dollar messaging thought of in in high rises in Manhattan. This is a guy who just was a street fighter and he beat everybody on that Republican stage during the primary and it was incredible to watch. The spectacle of it happening was incredible to watch. That's why he's, the whole movement was so exciting. And then going up against Hillary Clinton, who's got a resume and has been in the game for a long time. You know, it was un, it was just unbelievable. So it, this all started with Chris Wallace. but So I've got no problem with that being his style. I don't think that that being his style is a good skill or a necessary skill or one that needs to be or should be put on display when you've got a black swan uh, health event, pandemic crisis. So I, I, you know, as though I just said that I can tolerate him doing the, the pressers on this, the quirkiness that is Trump does not instill confidence when it comes to handling the crisis. Maybe it will. Maybe maybe as he gets more serious, but the tweeting, you know, blows that stuff up. That said, you've got polls showing Biden ahead 15 points. No, this is going to be this is going to be very close, I think. I think it's it's possible that the Republicans get just trounced again in the House and, and washed out of the Senate because Trump's votes don't always translate to votes down the ticket. But I don't think this thing is over at all. And I think that Trump has proven that he's a, a, a comeback kid, that he's he's had everything and he's lost everything and he's had everything again. And it, it's going to... It means so much. His brand is everything to him. And to have him get blown out by Joe Biden, I, I don't see I don't see him stop. Especially now, you know, the the pandemic, it not only are cases, I mean, the things are looking better in the last week or so than they have looked for quite a while, certainly in looking at deaths, daily death rate. And so that plane, the Air Force wanted me to be in the air in weeks or months again. And not that he has to have the indoor arena things, but if he can do his version, if he can puddle jump around around uh, the country, puddle jump, you know what I mean, around the country, then I think that's that's where he's in his element he can still get uh, you know versions of crowds. They can still make it work one way or another. Maybe they can get the whole you know. Maybe somebody will have, will come up with a, a better treatment and outside they can make the thing happen. You don't need the crowds to be roaring def- de- anyway. But you know, every time he's in these crowds and in these towns, that's the local news cycle he's getting into. So that's your local 
three network stations and all the print and all this, etc. And that's why you saturate that. You know, that's why candidates show up to these things so that they can get into all sorts of local copy. And that still means something. Not everybody is on Twitter. A lot of people are on their own local patch or whatever it is. And there's, he's unbeatable when it comes to the retail politicking schedule. Just getting out there and hustling, hustling, hustling. Remember election night? He was like campaigning to like two in the morning or something. Maybe it wasn't two in the morning, but it was a long time. So we'll, we'll see what can happen. With Joe Biden right now, they're just, you know, they're taking a knee right now in the football sense and just killing clock until uh, until they can get to November 4th or 3rd, whatever it is. And it's working for him right now. You'd think eventually he has to get flushed out and has to show himself somewhere. And, and we'll see. And at some point, somebody may be asking, and not just on, on Fox News, but somebody will be asking why he's not up and around and talking to people, why he's not giving long-form interviews. And there'll be a question as to whether he's if, whether he's got the skills with the the intellect left to handle the to handle the job. You know, we had uh, Joel Pollack on a couple of days ago, and he thought that the president he said he thought that the president mentally has lost a step. I mean, sorry, vice president mentally has lost Biden has lost a step, and but physically he thought he was okay. I don't think he's okay physically. He shuffles a lot now, from what I've seen. And he's just done too many things that show you that he's his cognitive abilities are diminished. In my in my opinion, because I've been following the guy in in a talk radio sense, covering the guy for a couple of decades now, and he was always quick, and he was always had a rejoinder immediately, and it was loud and fast, and oftentimes it was moronic, but it was there. Now he fights and he searches for words. He searches for replies. He searches for information, and you can see him growing frustrated as he searches. And I think that's a lot. Of, a lot of times, that's why that he wants to get in a fist fight out when he's in crowds and somebody argues with him, because he's lost the capability to debate or even BS flimflam debate. You know, I say that Trump talks smack a lot. Biden is an old school smack talker too, just in the political sense, where he can fill up a room with thirty-five minutes of pure BS with the best of them. Even a couple of years ago, remember, he was at the St. Paddy's Day, or he did a Zoom meeting version of the St. Paddy's Day breakfast in Boston. And Biden, and it was terrible, went on like a seven-minute rant, just just BS, uh, smack talk here, this, that, that, Irish, this, my old aunt Connie, whatever, and it was just, but at least it was all cogent. It was nonsense, and it was not entertaining, and it was not good content. But it was a cogent string of words that ostensibly meant something. I think that's been tougher for him now. And we'll see. We'll see what that means. We'll see, you know. Pain don't hurt. That's what I know. I don't know much more. Do you have a life preserver? Use that, by the way. Use that Use that joke. <laughs> use that joke. You know, let's, have, let's make this... Um, let's make this um, deal between us. You see, now I'm losing words again. God dang it. Am I losing my cognitive ability? Or maybe I never had it. Let's try to all agree to enter a compact together that whenever somebody around us, a co-worker family member, is using a condiment like ketchup, 
that we always bring it to attention and always use this same joke. Even if you just did it a minute earlier with another coworker at the same table or with another family member, use it night after night, night after night, even even if they see it coming. Even if you've said it so often that eventually one of your family members just breaks down and cry because they're so disappointed in what you are. You have a life preserver. What? Your french fries drown in there. What a disgraceful moment for the United States of America. A life preserver. I wonder if they fought over life preserver or life vest. Life preserver, life vest. Who knew? I mean, somebody probably had to, you know, uh, had to m- massage that those killer lines. Then again, if Stallone wrote that himself, and he probably did, it was all just yes men, probably. Once he got the the backing from the studio, they were like, "Oh, brilliant, Sly, life preserver. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Your decision to go with preserver instead of vests are very astute, Mister Mister S." Ah. So tomorrow, I am talking to Abigail Schreier. Is it Schreier or Shire? Abigail Schreier, Shire, Shire, Shire. Hold on, let me look at Abigail. Abigail, what is your name? Abigail Schreier. And let me tell you something. She's got this book called Damage, the Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters. She is brilliant. I can't believe... Amazon is already trying to censor her, essentially, and she's taking all sorts of hits for what, what she's saying. And the theme is is that she's worried about a certain number of teenage girls who are making permanent changes to their bodies when they don't essentially when they're not actually transgender they're they're actually going through a phase it's uh like social contagion i think she calls it calls it i don't want to try to explain it anymore because i'll explain it incorrectly but she is she is a fascinating person to listen to she is uh, the fact that she's chosen this subject matter, and this is an established reporter, a columnist, the fact that she's chosen this subject matter to write so boldly about, and it's not a condemnation of trans or anything, and she's made that very clear, but it is such a gutsy thing for her to be talking about this stuff, and you're going to love the interview, or you're going to find it amazing. Maybe you'll be offended, maybe not. Obviously, I wouldn't have anybody on just to, 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 that would be unkind to people for any reason like that or whatever. But uh, she's not. And she has empathy and she's she makes an interesting point. If you do find it offensive or or you find it um, completely acceptable or wonderful, you can always email me. I'm um, winchester at gmail.com. W-I-N-N-C-H-E-S-T-E-R at gmail.com. You can also get me at uh, Twitter, at Tom Shattuck. That's at T-O-M-S-H-A-T-T-U-C-K. Uh, there's some writing of mine at TomShattuck.com. i got to do more there. We've just... I, I've just... I've got a day job, you know, you know. So, by the way, that day job's out the Lowell Sun. Feel free to get a subscription. I'd love that. You'll find me writing in the editorial pages, usually under just the editorial byline, but sometimes I'm in there as well. We've got a great team of excellent reporters, and uh, and subscriptions are the way these companies, print companies, survive now. It is now becoming the industry standard. You pay for the Wall Street Journal and the Times, and 
unsubscribe to the New York Times and subscribe to the Lowell Sun. I promise it'll be worth it for you. All right, remember, I will talk to you tomorrow. Remember, pain don't hurt. Do you enjoy pain? Pain don't hurt. You have a life preserver. What? Your french fries drowning. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.